Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me via my left is Roy. Hey, and we're getting back together with the San Antonio we Missions. <laughs> we're gonna, so we're gonna have hit. We're gonna have Burl Yarbrough on the podcast a little bit later on. We're gonna talk about the new changes in uh, in that Major League Baseball is having Minor League Baseball do in various levels, which is weird. Yeah, it's kind of strange. They're experimenting, but trying a different rule in different leagues and different levels. It's going to be weird to stay on top of it all. Yeah. And it's going to affect the stats across things. Yeah. Like, you're going to see crazy stolen bases over here, and you're going to see weird strikeout rates over there. But you know what? Play it, with the rules and yeah. see what works and and keep what you like and get rid of what you don't. And I hope there are a couple here that they get rid of. Right. And we'll see. And I understand how, you know, just kind of thinking about it, like all those rules can't be put in one league. You can't have all those rules in one league and expect everyone to remember them and, and to come, you know, to get the best data. You need that one rule to be in one area for one league and have it focused. So that right. you're changing one variable at a time. I get it. Right. So let's go on about that. Major League Baseball has announced that they're testing a variety of experimental playing rules at various levels of minor league baseball the upcoming 2021 season. These experimental playing rules have been approved by the Competition Committee and Playing Rules Committee. MLB will closely monitor. So let's go over them now. AAA gets the larger base... (laughs) Larger bases. Okay, so we were just watching the broadcast, yeah. and Mark Grant was trying to explain. Apparently, there. So the bases are getting bigger, and they're kind of like the first base bag is moving back, but the second base bag is the center of the. I I was getting confused just trying to listen to him to describe it all. And I think so. If you look at the bag, the bag that he had on the broadcast was had a, like a, you know, was a marking of four corners, so it was like a big X. Yeah. So I think on first base, half of the base is going to be in foul territory. No, no, they're not doing that. That's I don't like know. softball that, where you got you, that second bag in right, foul territory. Well, so what that's going to do, go ahead. I No, I think the intent here is to reduce the amount of collisions that you have at first base where you've got people's feet getting tangled up because you got pitchers and first basemen trying to find the bag while the ball's coming their way. Yeah. I, I guess you're supposed to try to minimize contact at the other bases as well. I don't think it's going to have much of an impact there. Um, I guess maybe there's a couple inches less that is, uh, a base runner has to get to to get a stolen base. Um, but really, the intent seems to be about reducing um, right. collision and injury. I also understand that the base is not as tall I read that somewhere that it's going to be a shallower base. So then, like, because you see guys that'll, I mean, I rolled my ankle one time because I stepped on second base weird. I wasn't yeah. looking. Yeah. I was looking at the play, right. and I stepped on the side of the bag. My foot rolled. And so a shallower, like a, a not as tall base would And, and it's going to have to be that. firm because a bigger base would mean more area, would mean more kind of poof or whatever. And you're right. You step on that bag, and it gives anything. You roll your ankle. Right, but back in the day, the base used to be like a pillow. Right. You look back in like the 40s and 50s, and you see guys sliding in, and it like it fully rolls up. Right. And you've but got guys- to think that that would be better for preventing injury. I knew a kid in high school who broke both legs in his, both bones in his lower leg from sliding into third base. Yeah, I've watched that happen in rec league. Yeah, I mean that's that's bad because because the base is so hard yeah. and it's also slick. I've seen other plays where a guy will step on first base and his foot will slip off it, and then they'll hyperextend their knee because of yeah. You know, so they need yeah. to make the equipment safe for everybody to use. Yeah. So well, what it says here is to reduce player injuries and collisions, the size of first, second, and third base will be increased from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. The competition committee also expects the shorter distances between bases creates created 
by increased size to have a modest impact on the success rate of stolen bases attempts and the frequency with which a batter runner reaches base on ground balls and bunt attempts. So there will be that minute three-inch difference that, you know, it's going to be a lot more... They're going to review it. They're going to review it, or the guy's going to be out. Right. I mean, across a 90-foot distance, how much of an impact is three inches going to make? But, you know, if it's going to – I'm all for more action. I want to see more base runners. I want to see more defense. I want to see balls in play. I want to see pickoff attempts. I want to see all that kind of stuff because strikeout, walk, home run is boring. Yeah. And fly balls are kind of boring to to a certain extent. So I don't like the shift, and we're going to get into that later – I don't mind the shift so much. It's still, you still have to make the play. And I like the creative things like what we saw last year with Manny Machado playing shallow right field. That, yeah. that made some some very unusual things. And then in the game in the game the other day where Tatis went first to third on a ground ball to second base because yeah. nobody was at third base because yeah. they had a bit of a shift on. Yeah. And I, I like that stuff. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So the double A defensive positioning, the defensive team must be must have a minimum of four players on the infield, each of whom must be must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. Depending on the preliminary rule results of this experimental rule change, MLB may require two infielders to be positioned entirely on each side of second base in the second half of the double A season. These restrictions on defense positioning are intended to increase the batting average of balls in play. Right. They did that in the Atlantic League last year. I think they even drew a stripe between behind second base from the point to second base out towards center field to delineate where to make sure somebody's not on the wrong side of second base. Oh, interesting. So, but, they, but so okay, so they want to increase the amount of, of activity. You want guys to get on base. You want to increase batting averages. But they also want to shorten the game. So doesn't defensive positioning... Uh, you know, allow for a shorter game because it's a quicker out? I don't care about the game clock. I don't care how long the actual time of the game is. I care about how much action is going on. Right. So if it's all a bunch of dead space waiting for the pitcher to deliver the ball, and okay, yeah, shorten that up. But if it's a five-hour game and there's tons of action going on the whole time, people are going to remain engaged. Well, and we're going to get into more of those rule changes that kind of make a little more sense to me uh, coming up. So the shift... I. I say let the guy. The, so the only positions that are defined in the rule book are the pitcher and the catcher. Yeah. Other than that, you can take those other seven guys and stick them wherever you want. They don't I even need so to be in fair territory. I, you can I, put them all up the left field foul line if you want, if that's what you think the batter's going to do. Well, and I think Manny was the only one that would play that that rover in right field. Yeah, I love it. And which made him, you know, which made those guys have to go deep into the outfield to catch balls. I like it. Like, that's a very good point. I don't think there should be any difference between where you tell your guys to work, you know, where where they should be. Yeah. I mean, it, makes, it makes it odd for, like, defensive metrics because the third baseman made a catch almost at the fence in right field. How does that work? <laughs> but it makes for some amazing, amazing plays. It does. It does. And, uh, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I know? like I like it. So I banning the shift, get out of here. I'm fine with the shift. Make the batters make the batters do the other thing. I love seeing Anthony Rizzo drop a bunt up the third base line because everybody's been shifting him for yeah. the last ten games. Yeah. I'm I don't mind that. That's fine. That's fun. Yeah, in today's game is the Brewer game. Uh who's that giant beast for the Brewers? Oh, oh. He hit no they were shifting on him and he hit one down the third base line. Right. Yeah, what happens if somebody squibs one off the end of the bat? Yeah. So with the shift, they say that the pitcher has to be more careful about location. 
So if you've got a left-handed batter up there, they need to keep the ball on the inside part of the plate. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be hard for them to go the other way. Right. But then what happens if the pitch goes up a little bit and they kind of get fisted and it squirts the other way? And then I remember a while ago, Robinson Cano bunted for a double. That it was he didn't drop the bunt down. He like poked it, so right. it had some velocity on it, and it got past the third base bag a good ways, and he's standing on second base. So I, okay, go ahead and beat the shift. Yeah, until then, they, yeah, until you they don't want to shift on you. Right. So moving on, high A, the step off rule. Pitchers are required to disengage the rubber prior to throwing to any base, with a penalty of a balk in the event the pitcher fails to comply. MLB implementing a similar rule in the second half of the Atlantic League season in 2019, uh, which resulted in a significant increase in stolen base attempts and improved success rate after adoption of the rule. So what do you think of this? I think that they, like, I'm a left-handed pitcher. So, I mean, like, I'm not a left-handed pitcher, but I'm left-handed. I can't be halfway in my windup and then expect to come back down and step up. Like, I have to step off before I even start the pitch. Right. Well, as soon as I begin my windup, that guy's going to take off. Okay. Like, that's... That's not fair. That's, that's not, not fair. fair. Well, that's not fair to the catcher. Well, what about the so it's and it's a little different because the right the right handed pitcher has to step off. Exactly. Why can't he just pivot? Why didn't in the past did he just not pivot around? What do a need, little pirouette like a ballerina yeah, on the rubber? Which I guess takes a second, maybe a second off getting over there. Yeah. That right. So sense. that gives an advantage to the left handed pitcher. So then you've got guys like Eric Lauer, Clayton Richard, that they have that move where they're, the difference between their, their pitching delivery and their move to first base is very hard to see until very late in their delivery. And even then, when they make that step and it's halfway up the line, it's, it's a judgment call on the umpire's behalf on whether he stepped toward home plate or toward first base. Yeah. And then the thing about the knee, about does the knee go back behind it has the rubber? the rubber. I think it's the rubber, yeah. Yeah, and it's, again, it's an interpretation call for on the first or the third base umpire on, on whether that's a legal move. Now, it's pretty easy to call. He stepped off before he threw. Yeah. And, again, I'm all about action. So if that means that we're going to have Vince Coleman out here stealing 80 bases again, bring it on by all means. Try C.J. Abrams. Yeah, C.J. Abrams. Maybe he can be the next 80 stolen base Now, see, as a left-hander, though, I want, like, I've, have you ever used a right-handed scissors in a left-handed, in your left hand? Yeah. Like, I live in a right-handed world. Why can't we have one thing? Give us the one thing. Give us the throw over to first. Okay, no, so then if I'm a, that, if right? I'm a right-handed batter and I put the ball on the ground, then I want to run to third base because it's shorter <laughs> to go that way. No, that's not right. No. <laughs> But it, it, I like this change. You know, I, I see a lot more guys getting stolen base, but I also see a lot more guys getting hurt, you know, sliding into second base. That's part of the game. You know, those kinds of injuries, it's not an injury due to equipment or, you know, some kind of a Bush League play of somebody trying to actually go in and, like, spike someone. Yeah, chase it's, it, it's incidental contact that yeah. happens, and it's all part of the game. I Bring on the action, please. Okay. So, the next one is low A pickoff limitation pitcher, pitch timer, and ABS. So, all le- all low A leagues, pitchers will be limited to a total of two step-offs or pickoffs per plate appearance. Now, I like this because it's like, how many times are you going to throw over the first five times, six times? And you're like, ah, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, but how many times have you seen them throw over to first base five or six times? Right. And you know yeah. that it's in the pitcher's head. Yeah. He's rattled. And then the runner takes off and gets to the stolen base anyway. Yeah. So that teaches the pitcher a lesson. Hey, quit worrying about the guy on first base and just go home with it. I, so, I hate that. Because then what happens if they throw to second base the they throw to first base twice? Then you know that the runner right. the runner's gonna take off on right. the first move. Right. 
sides. I, I don't like that. No, we don't need a little. So is the umpire going to have a clicker? Well, you know, gonna, the little balls be... and strikes clicker. Are they going to have a clicker for how many times the pitcher stepped off the base too? Or like the mound business, right? Okay. Points up to the, points up to the scorebook. Like that's one, that's one mound visit. That's one pickoff. So this is what's going to happen. A pitcher may attempt a third step off or a pickoff in the same plate appearance. However, if the runner safely returns to the occupied base, the result is a balk. Depending on the preliminary results of this experimental rule change, MLB will consider reducing the, Im- the imitation to a single step off or pickoff per plate appearance with at least one runner on base. One of my favorite things, and you see this, I, I've been hearing it now in the spring training games, and you see it a lot at minor league games, is when the guy starts to step off multiple times, and then the fans start to boo Move. the heck out right. of that pitcher. Right. I love that. Yeah, with your speedsters on first base, hell yeah, you're booing. Yeah. Let the speedster <laughs> run. Okay, so the low A Southeast, in addition to the limitations on step-off pickoffs, MLB will expand testing of the automatic Ball strike system. There it is. That's the ABS. That began in the Atlantic League. So this is the pitch tracking. This is the mm-hmm. striker ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that began in the Atlantic League and Arizona Fall League to select low A Southeast games to assist home plate umpires with calling balls and strikes, ensure a consistent strike zone is called, and determine the optimal strike zone for the system. Optimal strike zone for the system. So it's going to be... It, that sounds like there's an interpretation there. Well, so what they found when they tested this in the Atlantic League was that there were some pitches at the boundaries, particularly at the top and the bottom of the zone, that were unhittable pitches. Right. And you get a curveball that barely nips the bottom of the strike zone right. at the front of the plate, and there's no way that the batter could have gotten a bat on it. And then a high fastball that that is at the midpoint at the top of the zone. So I wonder if there's going to be, as they implement an automated strike zone, if they're also going to have to do some adjustment to the definition, the rule book definition right. of the strike zone. And so we seem to think of the MLB rules as being set in stone, like the Ten Commandments, but they've changed a lot of times through the years. Yeah. It used to be that the fast, the, the top of the strike zone were the shoulders. And it, then it was the armpits, and then it's the midpoint. Same at the bottom. It used to be the uh, hollow at the bottom of the knee. Now it's the top of the knee. Yeah, There's been adjustments through the years. Uh, but as far as the automated strike zone, that's just progress. That's something that we know is coming, and yeah. they just need to kind of refine how they're going to implement it um, and how it affects the game and what other uh, like secondary impacts it's going to have. So in the low A West, in addition to the limitations of step-off pickups, following a successful pace of game rules testing among Florida State League teams in 2019, on-field timers, one in the outfield, two behind home plate, between the dugouts will be implemented to enforce time limits between delivery of pitches, inning breaks, and pitching changes. The on-field timer used in low A West will include new regulations behind the system currently used in AAA, AA, to reduce game length and improve the pace of play. Okay, so you're enforcing the rules that have already existed in the rule book for decades. Hmm. I mean, that's, the problem isn't that new rules need to be created. The problem is that nobody's been paying attention to them. I think there's a rule that says that the pitcher has 12 seconds to deliver the pitch if there aren't any runners on base or something like that. Well, and whatever happened to the guy not stepping out of the play? Yeah, they did that for one year. They Oh, hey, and then yeah, just don't worry about that. Yeah, what, what good does that do? What good is a rule if you're not enforcing it? The rule was put there for a reason. Now we're seeing what happens if you're not enforcing that rule. So just enforce the rules. That's all that is to yeah. me. So I don't – you shouldn't have to have a clock up there. 
for for that to, to be enforced. The umpires should should be aware of it, uh, but they're paying attention to other stuff. Okay. So and it's it's a mandate for Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball tells the umpires how to interpret the rules, what they want them to enforce, you know, what they really don't care so much about. And so that's what I see there is that they they haven't cared so much about enforcing those rules, but meanwhile, they're talking about total length of game time. So when you've got Pedro Baez out there and he's taking 35 seconds to deliver a pitch, I mean, come on, we're all sitting here watching paint dry. Right, right. Well, this is what MLB says. So that that that's all the rules that are coming in, and we'll, I guess we'll be covering those in the coming minor league season. Quote, we are listening to our fans. The effort is an important step towards bringing to life rule changes aimed at creating more action and improving the pace of play, said Michael Hill, MLB's senior vice president of on-field productions. These experimental playing rules, playing rules, hello, have been approved by the council committee and playing rules committee to be tested and analyzed in a highly competitive environment. These experimental rules are designed to put more balls in play, create more excitement on the base pass, and increase the impact of speed and athleticism on the field. Amen. Vogelbach. That was the guy's Ryan name. Ryan Vogelbach, yeah. <laughs> well, what about Vogelbach? Like, that guy's not an athlete. He's the John Crook. He's like a bigger version of John Crook. Yeah, but you got nobody on the left side of the infield. He can butt for a double. Yeah, right. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works. The, 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 the kind of the one that really, really bothers me is the size of the base like that's unless they make it you know unless you know you're right it has to be on the fair line but what i saw in you know because um donna so was like you get to show me on a ball field like i don't get it <laughs> um if part of the bag is in foul territory which can be delineated with the line and that's fine would would, would less would kind of keep the base in i no, i in, don't in think they're play, gonna do that i think they're gonna keep the edge of the base on the foul line, like it how always has been. Okay. Uh, they're probably going to, and then whether the front edge of the base creeps closer to home plate or not, I guess that's up to them. Yeah. But I, it needs to stay in fair. Otherwise, you might as well just take an orange base and stick it next to it in foul territory, and say if it's a forced play, you step on the orange base, like in beer league yeah. softball. softball. Yeah. And it's funny because I play so much rec ball. Anytime I do play softball, like I get, I I forget to step on that bag all the time. And there's nothing I'm if that's what they decide they want to do and it really is a player safety thing, fine. Yeah, that's not gonna have that much of an impact on how the game is actually played. And I mean even so you talk about the magic numbers, the sixty feet, six inches, yeah. oh no, they're gonna push the mound back. I, they've lowered the mound. Yeah. You know, when Bob Gibson went crazy in the year of the pitcher and they they lowered the mound as a result. And so there've been changes through time, and then they're also changing the ball. Yeah, you know, we need. We should talk to to Meredith Brooks about yes about what they're doing with the baseball. Yes, but uh, it, so the game changes. They're trying to adapt it, but as long as what he said is what they're really trying to do, that they're trying to 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 make the action part more exciting. That's really what's going to draw fans. It's the highlights. It's the athletic plays. It's the right. crazy things that happen on stolen bases. You know what? I'd love to see them bring back. Is the freaking intentional walk that yeah. you just hold up four fingers and point to first base and the guy goes, no, make the pitcher throw those four balls. Because every once in a while, something weird happens. And and then you see it on SportsCenter and it's on it goes viral on Twitter that, oh, <laughs> holy crap, he right. airmailed it over the catcher and somebody went first to third on the play. Right, it's or, a quirky part of the game. Then. Or, or he, he didn't deliver the pitch far enough outside and Fernando Tatis Jr. stepped across the plate and hit the ball out of the yeah. park. You know, I mean, weird stuff happens. Yeah. And that's that's the fun part of baseball. 
Well, they're saying the game on the field is constantly evolving and MLB must be thoughtful and intentional about progressing towards the very best version of baseball, a version that is true to its essence and has enough consistent action and athleticism on display to entertain fans of all ages. Goddamn Generation Z. So look at what hockey did. So I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not a hockey expert, but I know that several years ago they made a whole bunch of rule changes yeah. to make the game more interesting, more yeah. fun, faster paced, more passing, more shots on goal, less ticky-tacky fouls being called, and then hockey became a much more popular sport as a result. So I, I hope that baseball can wind up doing this yeah, and, yeah. and kind of save and not that baseball's not a dying sport. I don't believe that none of our listeners out there, none of you think that, that baseball's a dying sport because you all love the game. Yeah. And what you love about the game, I hope, is what they're trying to promote. Yeah. And I, under, I understand that. And I'm, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. And you're right. The game always involves. And I think it was for hockey. It was the blue line. They changed the blue line, which was where you can shoot. You can't shoot the ball past a certain. Why don't they do something about soccer? Like soccer, talk about a boring sport. Well, and there were also rules about something about around the crease, what can happen right around where the goalie is. Yeah. I, I don't know. And what's the crease? I don't what. You know. Yeah, but soccer is such a cr- I don't understand soccer. Yeah, it's I've not tried a sport. and it doesn't capture me. But people are just <laughs> rabid about it. So I'm not going to talk trash about soccer. It's just well, not for me. You don't even believe it's a real sport. It's not a real sport. The only, the only <laughs> other real sport I believe is hockey. Like, that takes okay. some serious skill. Like, athletes, yes, athletes, people, I don't mean to go on a little tangent here. Athletes, they're athletes. They're doing a lot of running. There's a lot of athleticism. But the skill, and to it's a big ball. You can get it to bend by just kicking it on, like, a corner. You know what I mean? That's not that tough. I mean, to do it at a high level, yes, but it's not like... Like hitting a Blake Snow slider. I, you know, I'm not going to stand here and compare. I know. We know. need to move on. Well, I, what I really want to get back to doing is, what do the players think? That's like, a, that's I, a good I question. I want to hear what the players' union has to say about these rules. Because um, once, you know, in the minor leagues, they're not really, they don't really care. Well, and if I don't they think start the, implemented. I don't think the players' union can say anything about this. Right. But, but you have a couple former players involved. I think I saw that Raul Ibanez yeah. is one of the one of the executives in the in the office. Yeah. Chris Young probably had something to say about this. They were developing all these rules. Now he's the GM of the Rangers, but he was the VP of some unfilled unfilled enforcement something yeah. or other. Uh, so you have a bunch of former players that are in the commissioner's office. They're not going to be behind these moves if they aren't, you know, good for the sport. Right. It's not just about driving the bottom line. I, I feel like a lot of the stuff the commissioner's office has done is, are short-sighted things to, to try to generate revenue in, in the near future without having a, an eye on what's going to grow the game long-term. Right. right. Uh, but when you're talking about rules, like rule changes like this, you're trying to, to protect the players. You know, Player safety is always paramount, but then you want action. You want yeah. the things that's going to draw people to the game, that's going to create interest. And longer lines at the, uh, you know, concessions, and that's what I don't want. Okay, if you don't like baseball, don't go. Okay, well then, well then, well then they'll open more concession stands because you see that you, you go up to a, to a Lake Elsinore Storm game on a Tuesday night, yeah. and half the stands are closed because there aren't that many fans yeah. there. So if you draw more fans to the ballpark, they'll open more concessions, and you're creating jobs. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, but this is going to be really interesting, and I really like. I wonder if that's going to be a bargaining chip because everyone's screaming for the the DH, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, so, are they going to go? Okay, well, we'll give you the DH, but you know, we got to have some of these rules come on board. Nah, the DH is all about expanded playoffs. That's I'm convinced of that. That yeah? that the owners want expanded playoffs because there's a whole bunch of money in it. 
and they also want to control how that money is split between the owners and the players and the players are kind of they're 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 stand, standing pat like no yeah. we have no reason to change that yeah. there's player safety reasons why we want to have a dh yeah. But we're not going to we're not going to allow some significant change just because you're trying to make a little bit more money. Yeah. So moving on was the other coast. So moving on, MLB pipeline prospects with the best fastball came out uh, from Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo and Sam Dykstra, all friends of the podcast mm-hmm. uh, on the Padres list was Darius Valdez, another friend of the podcast. And it's written here. The first thing anyone notices about Valdez is the size of the six foot eight, 254 pound this is 268, 254 pounds. Thank you very much. But it doesn't take long for the fastball to become the next talking point. The 25-year-old right-hander routinely sits in his upper 90s and has touched triple digits numerous times. The heater doesn't quite get the eddy grades that velocity alone would indicate because Valdez can struggle locating it at times. But it is firmly a plus-to-plus-plus pitch because of the way it blows by hitters. If Valdez can squeeze out just a touch more command early in 2021, expect him to bring the heat to Petco Park bullpen this summer. Right. It's not just about the velocity. It's he's six foot eight, but he's got some long, long arms and legs. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like Randy Johnson that you've got all these limbs flying at you, and he's releasing it so far from the rubber yeah. that it effectively plays even faster because he can touch triple digits, yeah. but maybe it plays a few miles an hour faster than that still. So that's it. That's gotta be. And then if you don't know, if you don't think he knows where it's going, that's kind of a scary thing right. too. You're not gonna get too dug in in that base in that box. Well, and and we've seen we've seen him and Lake Elsinore just throw BBs. Oh, he and when he's on, it, it's it's unhittable. Now, did you say that you saw he was added to the major league camp recently? He was added to the major league camp. Uh, his 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 um his agent, friend of the podcast again, uh, Joshua Kuznick. Joshua Kuznick had stated, I thought I might have saw him. On one of the pitching lists coming in, but I'm sure he might be getting in the game here pretty soon. Oh, like how Jeff Sanders says today's probables are these guys? Yeah. I keep checking today. I The game's going on right now, yeah. and I want to see if Anderson Espinosa gets into today's game. And that's the big, big, if anything through spring training, is to just have that kid healthy. Oh, yeah. And him and Mason Thompson. Like, Mason Thompson has shown flashes of brilliance without having that, you know, really having many innings uh, logged. No, he's been he's been superb, you know, and and it just those are there was so many that was so long ago when we drafted him, right? And, and he just it, got kitten bit by the bug, bit and to by think the bug. that we were there at that spring training game where he threw a back lots scrimmage game, yeah. and that was the first game he was back, and then it was right after that that he got shut down yeah. again, and that was two full years ago yeah. now, right? Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, he hasn't entered the game yet, but hopefully we can check the box score by the time things are over and he's he's been able to come in and get some work. Well, that's about it, but I have one more thing I want to add. Oh, yeah? Is today is Emily Walden's birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday, so Emily happy Walden. Happy birthday to Emily Walden. She has been, uh, I, I really think that her coming on the podcast really kind of gave us a little bit of, um, I don't want to say clout's not the word, but just kind of legitimacy. Okay. You, you know, and I think she was one of the first uh, national reporters that come on our podcast and, and talk to us and give us some insight, you know, to the players in in uh, Fort Wayne. And she's going to be our Friar Insider for right. the new high A Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Yeah. Uh, although she uh, and I root for her Detroit Tigers from a distance. Uh-huh. Um, they have a long way to go. But I just wanted to wish her a very happy birthday and hope she's having a great warm day and 
in Michigan where she lives. Oh, man. As we look outside and we see it's sunny. It was raining earlier, but it's beautiful now. It rained earlier and the city shut down. I know that she's chomping at the bit to get yeah. to get back in that car and drive all yeah. over the Midwest to to catch all the uh, all the baseball that she can. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to have her back on. So, yeah. Stay tuned for Burl Yarbrough. Of the San Antonio Missions. We're here with Burl Yarbrough, the president of the San Antonio Missions. Welcome back to the family. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's uh, great to be back. Uh, you know, had 12 wonderful years with the Padres and uh, one year AAA, and uh, we're glad to be back uh, working with them. Now, let's start, before we go any further, let's start with, you've been with the mission since 1987? Uh, I started in the fall of 87, back when I was 12 years old, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a great run in San Antonio. Uh, you know, we... Uh, I've seen a lot of great players come through town. We were with the Dodgers for many years, uh, did, did a stint with the uh, Mariners for six years, and then one year of AAA and uh, back uh, with uh, San Diego. Well, and that kind of leads to my first question is you've seen Pedro Martinez, uh, Mike Piazza, even Felix Hernandez from the Seattle Mariners. Have you seen anyone in comparison to Fernando Tatis Jr.? <laughs> No, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of players in my 34 years in San Antonio. And, you know, just on our club, obviously some great players, but also Mike Trout went through here. Uh, you know, we've seen some, some players on some of the other teams, but Tatis is, is uh, the most exciting guy I've seen. And obviously being here as long as I have, I saw his dad in this league as well. Right. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was pretty good also. So he's become known for the the base running stunts. Like just yesterday, he he wound up manufacturing a couple extra bases just on his way around the pass. Was he doing that kind of stuff in San Antonio? Oh, he was, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, just he's a must watch. You know, anytime he's at bat or on the bases, a very exciting uh, player. How about the interactions with your media and with the fans out there? You know, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, uh, I, I was talking to one of our reporters uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he remembers, you know, dealing with uh, Tatis when he was here and uh, has great memories of, of uh, him playing here. And, you know, he came up and played a little bit with us uh, in 17 uh, at the end of the year and then, uh, you know, was with us here in 18. And, uh, you know, we had a very good team that year, and it, uh, it was a fun, fun year. My wife, real quick, my wife made it out there on a business trip and made a game, and he went like two for four, stole the bag, like just, he was just the tattoos that we see now. He plays like his hair's on yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to watch. Okay, so you mentioned coming back to the to the Padres, but part of that was this whole change in um, management from MILB to now MLB overseeing all of the minor league operations. Uh, so now it's a new 10-year agreement with the Padres. Uh, what was that whole process like? They sent you a proposal. You guys had to review the proposal and accept that? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it was uh, an interesting offseason as, as we were going through this. And, uh, you know, we didn't know what level we were going to end up in. We didn't know who we'd be affiliated with. Uh, you know, there were rumors going around. Uh, so, you know, we uh, we just kind of bided our time for everything, and uh, you know, as as 
things were being worked out. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we were extremely pleased how they worked out, you know, for us to be back uh, with the Padres. And as far as back at the double-A level, uh, you know, it's an exciting level of baseball. It's one that we have been in in San Antonio since 1888, yeah. you know, so we have a long history in the Texas League. And, and I tell, you know, the people as we're out selling this year, I say, hey, look, our last – our last double-A team had Tatis on it, yeah. Chris Paddock, you know, Ty France. I mean, you know, you see all the players at this level. So Wolf Stadium is one of the older ballparks uh, in the Texas League that's active right now. I know you guys hosted AAA for a year. Um, were there any improvements you guys had to do to remain in compliance with MLB's requirements now? Well, yeah, we still will have some to do. But, you know, in preparation of AAA, we uh, – you know, we uh, redid the, the, the locker, the clubhouse at that time, did a lot of other improvements in the stadium. So, uh, you know, we've been on a journey to get a new ballpark built in San Antonio, and it's one we are still on. Obviously, what we've gone through the last year has uh, slowed things right. down. But yeah. It's something we are still working on. And, uh, you know, we hope to, you know, now as things start getting back to normal, uh, you know, we can continue that push. Is there anything that you could say about about where that is and what your future kind of plans are? Well, I mean, obviously it's slowed down over the past year, yeah. but it's something we have continued to work on, and uh, uh, you know, we will. You know, I mean, uh, like I say, it's 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 a journey. Uh, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're trying to get a stadium built. And, uh, you know, then when life happens as well, like it has for all of us, uh, you know, it throws uh, another thing into the uh, drama. Uh, but, uh, you know, we still have, uh, uh, you know, some some things uh, that we're working on. And, uh, you know, we, we hope that it is something that uh, is in our future. Well, and, you know, all you really need to do is just show them a video of Fernando Tatis and go like, look, do you want this to, the, these guys to come through here or not? Like, we have guys coming. Uh, and you guys, you do. We, the Padres, I'm sure, are going to have guys like C.J. Abrams, uh, Anderson Espinosa, who I think is pitching today, uh, Tuca Peter Marcano, who's having a fantastic spring this year. So it's not just, it didn't stop with the last time you guys were a Padre affiliate. Like, there's still plenty of talent coming um, in the pipeline to, to San Antonio. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, being with them for 12 years, uh, you know, we certainly have, you know, kept up with the system and, a lot of these guys, you know, were part of the system when, when we were still with them. And so we have followed them and, uh, you know, become big Padre fans as more and more of our guys go to the big leagues. And, and we know there's some exciting players still in the pipeline. Hey, hey, you got someone climbing in the back of your car there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick, picking up the grandson, uh, you know. Fantastic. Well, fantastic. Um, so, Coach, All right, well, let's well, check his shirt out. Oh, oh look at that Machado, Machado Tatis Jr. Jr. I love it. Yes. <laughs> well, and you just had a, a recent pottery acquisition in Trent Grisham. You had him in, in uh, San Antonio last year? Yeah, you know, it, it's great. You know, in 2019, uh, you know, he uh, came up and played center field for us with the, you know, with the Brewers. And I tell you, probably might have had the best month of any player I've seen in my, <laughs> my time here in San Antonio. And so when he was traded to the Padres, we were excited. Uh, you know, Luis Urias, who played for us here in yeah. San Antonio, one of our favorite players, uh, you know, was traded back to the Brewers. But uh, no, I was real excited when, uh, uh, when Trent was traded to the Padres. He's a Texas boy yeah. and uh, uh, somebody that we will root for. 
uh, and, and, you know, I think he's going to be an exciting player. You, you know, the, the Texas boy comment, and you mentioned Chris Maddock a little earlier. Did he have a whole cheering section? Oh, uh, he did, you know. I mean, uh, it was great having him. He went to high school, you know, up in Austin area, which is right up 35 from us. So when he would pitch, uh, you know, there was plenty of family members in, and, and some of his old friends, uh, you know, from high school would come down. So uh, it, it was fun. And, you know, of course, he had the – cowboy hat on yeah. when he his day to pitch so uh uh it was it was a lot of fun seeing uh, him be very successful you know i think he's dropped he's kept the cowboy hat but he's dropped crushing the pizza before game time i think he, <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's funny because his family they're they're just so fun you know we see him a lot of them i saw him a lot of the ballpark and i don't drink but god i just like i want to go have a beer with those people they're just having way too much fun yeah, they 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 uh, always came very supportive, and uh, you know, again, Chris, uh, we're we're excited to see him at the big league level. Okay, so so let's uh, for for a moment, let's talk about life, as you put it. You know, COVID nineteen took out all the minor league, all the minor league system, all the season last year. Um, it, you know, it takes away revenue for you guys. It takes away jobs. Um, can you talk about what, what the San Antonio Missions did with the community to kind of help the community get back uh, on its feet? That's We're still trying to get back on our feet now. Yeah, we really are. And it, you know, was was tough. You know, San Antonio is a, a city that uh, isn't one of the wealthier cities in Texas. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of needs in our community. Uh, uh, the food bank is not too far from Wolf Stadium. And so uh, they used our parking lot for you know, about six months this year, uh, you know, on a daily basis, uh, you know, helping to feed the community. So we were really excited to, uh, you know, be able to work with them and to help out. I mean, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures during that time, but I mean, uh, long lines and a lot of people needed help here in San Antonio. Uh, you know, we were able to at least, uh, join a uh, collegiate wood bat league okay. uh, last summer and right. uh, yeah. ended, ended up with a 30 game season and had 15 home games. And, you know, it, it wasn't obviously wasn't the same, but it was a lot of fun. We concentrated on having kids from the San Antonio area that are playing college baseball. And, and uh, you know, it, it allowed us to bring a little bit of normalcy uh, uh, into uh, some baseball fans lives here in San Antonio. You know, one thing I think that we all kind of came to learn last year that how much the community is tw- is intertwined yeah. with the baseball uh, in the minor league uh, cities across yeah. across America, um, and it was it's it's been neat seeing how the teams have been able to use their facilities and their personnel to to help the community out and how the community is kind of given back. Um, there's a lot of support going both ways, and that's that's a beautiful thing. That's yeah. part of what makes baseball special. Yeah, it, it really does. And, you know, our ownership group, the Elmore Sports Group, I mean, they've always, you know, really wanted us to be a part of the community. And it's something that, you know, we all work hard to do. And, uh, you know, uh, they support us and we want to support people any way we can. So uh, it was, uh, like I say, it was very gratifying to, you know, at least help in some ways. Okay, now let's have some fun because – the, the the like we the thing one of the things we missed most about you guys uh, leaving the the affiliate was your Copa de División name the flying chunklas like that 
Like we had those characters coming to our Comic Con here in San Diego. Um, people were buying that merch here in San Diego, and just we loved the gear. We're so happy. How has that kind of gone over in the community in San Antonio as a whole? You know, when we got into that, we had no idea what we had created. But uh, you know, credit credit our staff that uh, put that together, and uh, uh, you know, it has been a huge success. Uh, you know, uh, Flying Conklas fit right in with our Hispanic community. <laughs> and, you know, so many people can relate to, you know, having their grandmother, you know, discipline them with the, with the <laughs> Flying Conklas, with the chocolate and everything, and throwing them and whatever. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been great and a, a real shot in the arm for our community. You know, we wear those uniforms every Thursday. Okay. And, you know, the players really get into it. Uh, uh, it, it's been great since it was, you know, it came out in 2018 and, and has continued to this day. I, I tell you, the merchandise sales that we see, you know, are literally from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a blessing to our franchise. That's fantastic. I'm sure you have some fun with the promotions, like the in-game promotions. I can see, like, between innings, pulling a couple of abuelas out of the, oh. out of the stands and having like a target a target shooting contest where they're throwing chocolates. Have you guys had some fun with the different promotions there? Uh, we really have, and uh, you know, again, the community has embraced it. And you know, we have people like on those nights. You know, instead of putting a K up on the strikeout, they'll put a chocolate yeah. up. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's again, people just really have embraced it and they have fun with it. Oh, you know, one thing that I that I'm glad I always like kind of the continuity between the San Diego Padres, um, you know, the the name and being a, an old, you know, a, originally a Spanish town. Yeah. With the the mission, um, and then the San Antonio missions, there was a continuity yeah. in like the culture behind our nicknames. Yeah. And I've always liked how that kind of flows that they're going through the mission on their way up to become Padres, and yeah. it just kind of makes sense. You know, it's amazing how that fits in, isn't it? And yeah. just a, a great, uh, you know, great how that works out. And, uh, you know, Padres work out emissions. And uh, obviously, both of our communities, uh, you know, that's a big part of, of our identity. Okay, so last question, and this is the, probably going to be the most important one. Is there any crazy menu items uh, for the 2021 season? You know, uh, we're still working on our, our menu. Uh you know, without a season last year and, you know, we're just now getting our chefs back, you yeah. know, I think it's going to be starting with us next week, you know, nice. as we start prepping up. So I, I don't have anything yet, you know, check back with me in a month and uh, we'll see uh, what we, what we can come up with. I mean, obviously food is a big part of what we do at the minor league level. Uh, and uh, it's a big part of, uh, of, of Wolf Stadium. Yeah. Well, the opening day is still a month and a half away with the start of the minor league season being pushed back a little bit this year. So maybe we are going to have to check back yeah. in with you to, to get, a, get a load of what you have in store for us. Yeah, you know, I think we're all excited. Uh, you know, uh, I can't wait to, as our team starts forming at spring training and getting an idea of who will be here. Uh, Philip Wellman managed here a few years. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and then he went to Amarillo and won a championship out there. So believe me, that's going to be the first thing I tell him when he gets in town. He owes me one. Yeah, he does. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully we're along with you for the ride on that championship. That would be great. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we're going to check back with you in another month or so, right? 
That sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me today. Fantastic. Well, I've been thinking about all the places